0: Well, good morning. Welcome to ABC. Thank you so much for joining us. Today is a really special day for us. Uh, it is the culmination of our VBS week where we've had hundreds of kids on campus. They've been running bad, uh, doing games and activities and uh, doing Bible stories and playing wreck. It's just been fantastic. So I hope that you caught maybe some videos or pictures on social media i got to see a little bit of what was happening there if you happen to be watching this on um, sunday morning early in the day um, we do have a nine o'clock and a 10:45 service on campus outdoors this morning where our students our kids are going to be joining the service and they're going to sing a couple of their songs they're going to um, do their hand motions they're going to say a verse and we're going to get to hear a little bit about what took place during this fantastic week of EBS. So if uh, you're interested, come on down. It's gonna be a great morning on campus this morning at nine o'clock and 1045. And then I just wanna mention that next Sunday, uh, we're flipping our indoor service with our outdoor service. So at 9 a.m., our service will be outside in the worship lot where we typically meet um, for our outdoor services. And then at 1045, our worship service will be in the worship center with air conditioning. So uh, as it gets a little warmer later in the day, um, we thought that would probably be appropriate as we head into summer where we'd have our later service inside. And so that'll begin next Sunday and continue on through the summer that way. So uh, we're thrilled about all that's happening this summer. VBS is fantastic. Uh, We're sending kids off to Hume uh, here real shortly. And um, and a lot of great things happening in the life of ABC. Uh, Today we are actually pulling out of our Philippians series and I want to share with you a message from the VBS theme verse this week um, because it was so meaningful for our kids, and uh, we had such great discussion in the small groups this week with our kids that I really wanted to share with you. So, listen to this. There's a crazy story that happens in Numbers chapter 21 in the Old Testament. The Israelites are wandering through the desert, and in fact, they're, they're just waiting for the older generation to die off so they can enter the Promised Land. That's a whole different story and message in itself. But they're wandering through the desert. They start to get really discontent. They start complaining about the food, complaining about the heat, grumbling, uh, speaking against Moses and against God, and they're just angry. And God has had it, and He sends snakes into the camp, and they start biting. Poisonous snakes start biting people in the camp of the Israelites. Crazy! So. People start dying from the venom of the snakes. I'm, I know I'm smiling. It's not funny. I get it. Um, but it's just a crazy story. So people start dying, and the people finally realize we have sinned. We we had a bad attitude. We spoke against God. We spoke against Moses. They go to Moses, and they say, Moses, we were wrong. We're sorry. We, we spoke against God. We spoke against you. Would you please pray to God um, and, and tell him that we would... We would like for uh, these snakes to leave. And so here's what happens. This is the crazy part. You could read about it, it's there. God hears their prayer, hears Moses' prayer, but he doesn't remove the snakes from the camp. Instead, he says to Moses, all right, here's what I want you to do. Build a model of a snake, like a bronze serpent, it says and lift it up, raise it up high on a pole in camp, and then when someone gets bit by a snake, they could just look to it and they'll be healed. It's crazy. Like, what an odd solution for this problem of snakes that God had implemented in the story of Israel. In fact, if you keep reading in Numbers, they just kind of gloss over the story, and then it it just, they move to the next thing. And I go, well, then what happened? What was the point of the pole and the snake? And this is so odd and confusing to me that God would choose to send snakes into the camp and then raise up a pole, and there's a snake on a pole, and you look to the snake, and then you'll be healed from the snake bite. It's just so strange until Jesus comes back to that story in John chapter 3. And I love how the Old Testament so often connects to the New Testament, And so Jesus has this conversation with a religious leader, a guy that knew his uh, Hebrew scriptures well. He says, remember how Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness and the people looked to the snake and were healed. So must the son of man be lifted up, meaning Jesus himself, be lifted up. And all who look to him, all who believe in him, Jesus says, will have eternal life. Jesus ties this Old Testament odd story with what he's discussing about uh, being born again, what he's discussing about forgiveness and new life in Christ, eternal life, with this spiritual religious leader. And he says, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must I, Jesus, be lifted up and people will look to me for healing. This week at VBS, we talked about looking to Jesus, looking up to Jesus for healing. Uh, peace, looking to Jesus for healing, looking to Jesus for direction, looking to Jesus um, to provide some sort of sense of meaning in this life. And our goal for our kids this week was to help them focus on Jesus. The theme was focus and the tagline was take a closer look. Take a closer look at Jesus. And as we walked through this concept of look to Jesus with our kids, Uh, We talked them through things like reading scripture and finding truth in God's word, hearing from God in his word. We talked through things like prayer, being able to talk to God, pray to God. We talked through things like sharing God, sharing your faith with your friends, uh, of being able to look to Jesus for strength to love our friends and neighbors, to love others. And we continually tried to put Jesus in front of our kids this week and to say, focus look to Jesus. Take a closer look. Let's allow for Jesus to provide the meaning and the hope and the healing for our world and our needs. And the theme verse was, as as our kids are sharing in our services um, this morning, our theme verse was Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2. And I'll back up to verse 1. It says, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. So this morning, I I want as a church for us to take a minute to look to Jesus. I I want us to think about what it would mean to look at the elevated Jesus on the cross and what that means for us, what that provides for us. I want us to look to Jesus for healing, as did the Israelites in the desert look to the snake for healing. And i want us to ask ourselves some key questions about who jesus is to us and so i'm going to walk through um, just a few concepts in this verse this hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 verse um, because i think there's some helpful instruction on how to look to jesus as we walk through um, follow along with me so in the first verse here it says um, right out of the gates uh, let us lay aside every weight and sin. And that first concept is repentance. And as we look to Jesus, the the first and primary important thing to do is to understand that our sin has kept us from seeing Jesus, from focusing on Jesus. And so we repent, we lay aside the sin, we leave it behind, we own the fact that we've wronged God, that we've wronged others, and it's keeping us from seeing Jesus keeping us from looking to Jesus. If we go back to the story of the Israelites in um, Numbers chapter 21, it was the first step for those people. God didn't respond to the Israelites in their grumbling and their complaining. He didn't send a solution for the snakes while they were still complaining. He did so after they repented. They went to Moses. It says right here, um, verse 7, And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So they start by saying we have sinned. It's a critical step as we look to Jesus. If we're going to focus on Jesus and be able to elevate him and look to him for healing, for hope, and for clarity, we have to repent because our sin, as it says in Hebrews, weighs us down. It clouds our vision, distracts us. So we start with repentance. And that means simply owning the fact that we have wronged God and we've wronged others. Repentance is a critical step in being able to look to Jesus. God treats sin seriously, and he asks that we would treat it seriously as well. In every instance that God institutes judgment, like he did with the snakes, by the way, he also provides mercy. God's judgment is, also, is always accompanied by mercy. Same scenario as we look at the New Testament and Jesus is wrestling through this concept of um, him, the son of man, being lifted up to provide a way for eternal life. It's God's mercy coupled with his judgment that we would say no to sin and yes to God. Secondly, we see if we keep reading this idea of the race. So he says, let us lay aside every weight and sin, which clings to us so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. The kids that were with us here this week at VBS, many of you guys have kids that are elementary or or younger or maybe middle school or high school students. This generation, this young group of students coming up has been referred to as the distracted age. There are literally thousands of opportunities at the fingertips of our children. There's uh, unlimited information, unlimited art, unlimited entertainment. There's unlimited problem solving. It's just right at their fingertips. Our world is swimming in information. Now, it doesn't always mean it's correct information, but our world literally is swimming. There's so much ambiguity for our students as they kind of wander through life, and there's so many opportunities right in front of them. It can be very distracting, and in fact, it can be very confusing. And the amazing thing is Uh, Paul uses this language of running the race in the book of Hebrews, that there's a goal in mind, that we focus on a goal, we run toward a goal, and that's what's so helpful with scripture is that it gives us a path forward to run on. So when we lay aside sin and things that so easily encumber us, as some translations say, we lay aside distraction. And we we weed through some of the noise that's in our world, all the opportunities in our noise, and we start to filter things based on what God's Word says. We focus on Jesus, we look to Jesus, and we start to make sense of the path forward, and we can start to dismiss things to the left and to the right, and, and ask questions like, is this thing, is this opportunity bringing me closer to Jesus? Is this opportunity making me more like Jesus? Is this decision living like Jesus or deciding like Jesus? Is this fulfilling the mission of Jesus? It helps us to filter things and to understand that our world has so much ambiguity and convolution and there are so many opportunities that can confuse our students. But but honestly, you and I, I mean, we get just as confused as the students. We get so overwhelmed with opportunity that we can't necessarily see a path forward. And so Paul says we run this race with endurance having shed the extra weight, having laid aside our sin that so easily entangles us, and we fix our eyes on Jesus and run. So we run the race. It's that second point there, if you're following along on the outline. Run the race with endurance as we lay aside every weight. And I um, enjoy backpacking and kind of getting out, you know, in the hills and in the mountains and forests and things. And uh, just been something that's special to me to get out of nature. And I remember the first time I went backpacking, I think I was 15, maybe 14, but probably 15. And, um, we were going to go on like a seven night, uh, Eastern Sierra backpacking trip, which I don't recommend, especially if it's your first time backpacking. Um, and especially if you're 15, but I took on this, you know, opportunity with, um, with energy and excitement and I didn't have a backpack. So I went to the Burlington Coat Factory. You guys remember that place? It was like, it was sort of like a glorified Ross. I don't remember them having all that many coats, like jackets, but they had a lot of random stuff. So I go to the Burlington Coat Factory and I buy the biggest backpack that they had, which was not a backpacking. For those of you guys that like do backpacking and hiking and stuff, it was not a. It was not even an internal frame pack. It was just no frame. It was just a backpack, and I took that thing home. I think I paid like thirty-five dollars for it or something. And I took that thing home and I stuffed that as full as I could of everything I owned. I swear I probably bought like brought like five changes of clothes. I had this cotton sleeping bag that was a double wide, and uh, and I tied a rope around it and i cinched it to the outside of that backpack and i I, I probably bought i mean like a first aid kit you know like survival tools all that luckily back then they didn't have like battery packs and you know electronic devices and gps and solar and stuff i would have had like the fold out solar thing if 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 it were me today. So I think this pack was like 45 pounds. Like I loaded it down, strapped stuff on, had like extra shoes hanging off the back of it. And I go out on this seven mile or seven day trip and about mile 25, you know, on day two, I'm just dying, right? I have blisters already on my feet and I'm sunburned and I'm beat up and I'm tattered and I'm worn out. And I'm just like, a mess. And we get through this trip. It was an amazing trip. I mean, I still remember it. Good memories. And I remember coming out of the forest. We were jumping down these huge granite boulders trying to get back down to the trailhead. And uh, I was just beat. And I was carrying like maybe about a third of the stuff that had been stuffed in my backpack because it wouldn't fit anymore. Like I broke a zipper and I don't think the stuff would stay tied on anymore. So I've got my arms full and I've got this pack. I was weighted down. Not the best uh, approach to backpacking nowadays. Um, I've done it a few more times, kind of know what to leave behind and have more like a 20-pound pack. And uh, it, it seems to work out a little bit better. But the point was that when we burden ourselves, when we take everything we own and we stick it in our backpack and we h- hang on to it and keep it, um, it ends up convoluted or kind of distracting us from the goal. It keeps us from the goal. It keeps us from moving quick. keeps us from changing quick from a course correction, we're weighed down. We're burdened by the weight that we're carrying around. And to be honest, for us, even as Christians, there are things that we've stuffed in our backpacks that we're carrying, even sin things, habits um, that, we're, that are lingering, hurts, hang-ups, things that, like what we talk about in our Celebrate Recovery program, things that we just grab onto and we hold onto, and we, we focus so much on what's in our pack at times than where we're going. And what God is teaching us through this passage this morning, I think, is just to lay aside, set the pack down. Leave the whole thing if you have to. But don't continue to carry and hold on to the things that are going to slow you down on the trip, that are going to keep you from focusing on the goal, from looking to Jesus. Shed those things. Sometimes it's sin, and and it's literally just confessing sin and getting that out of your pack and just saying, no more. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to live that way anymore and sometimes it's a habit that needs to be addressed through accountability or through recovery or other ways just to say, I'm not, I'm not doing that anymore. It's, it's weighing me down, it's a distraction, it's an encumbrance, as it says in Hebrews. I, I think that um, looking to Jesus sounds easier than it is sometimes. When Jesus says this in John 3 and when we tell our kids look to Jesus, in Hebrews it says looking to Jesus, we think okay we're just going to look to the cross of Christ and in some sense it is that simple and yet if you're looking to Jesus for hope if you're looking to Jesus for healing if you're looking to Jesus for direction if you're looking to Jesus for salvation it doesn't matter if you don't believe in the true Jesus in other words if you don't believe who Jesus that Jesus is who he says he is then none of that stuff will be resolved. We asked our kids this past week um, at VBS on Wednesday. We told them the story from Mark 8, and I don't have time to go there and and dive into that, but it's a story about Jesus with his disciples where he asks uh, Peter, who do you say I am? And so we asked that of our kids, who do you say Jesus is? And I know if you've been around church a while, you heard that question a lot. You probably studied that passage either in Mark or in Matthew and you've kind of processed through the question and how Jesus was interacting with his disciples and what he was getting at. Maybe you haven't heard that question before, but I think it's critically important that we this morning pause for long enough to ask, who do you say Jesus is? Because if you're looking to Jesus for all these things and yet you don't believe that Jesus is who he says he is, the son of the one true living God present at creation that he's in working in all of our lives in creation, that he's continuing to, to work to build a place for us in eternity, that we can one day join him being reconciled to God by the blood of Jesus, the atoning blood. If you don't believe that that's the Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible, then nothing else matters. And so I ask you just to consider for a minute this morning, who do you say Jesus is? because if if he's just a good teacher, maybe a creative writer, he has some sort of catchy parables, or if you think he was a a good leader, a prophet, if you think that Jesus was um, maybe misunderstood, if you think he had some good values and good morals, but you don't believe that Jesus was God himself, as it says in the first chapter of John, and you don't believe that he really died, and you don't believe that he rose again, then none of the previous conversation matters. And so I ask you to consider this morning, who do you say Jesus is? Go back with me to John chapter 3 as we close. And Jesus is having this conversation, as I mentioned, with a guy named Nicodemus. And he's a religious leader. And uh, he's talking through this concept of being born again with Nicodemus. And here's what he says. I want you to catch this and the sequence of these phrases. What he says to Nicodemus in chapter 3, verse 14. He says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. It's the story I referred to. That's the conversation I referenced early on in the message, that Jesus says to Nicodemus, as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him, who looks to Jesus and believes in him will have eternal life. And then he says this, he goes on, look at verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, and that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Does that verse sound familiar? Maybe you've heard it before in the context of Jesus saying to Nicodemus, just like Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, and just like Jesus, the Son of Man is gonna be lifted up on the cross, and people are gonna look to Jesus for healing as they did for healing in the Old Testament. As you look to Jesus, if you believe in him, he says, you will not perish, but you'll have everlasting life. That what's being offered to you right now is eternity that nothing else matters, that everything in your life up to this point doesn't matter a lick compared to your eternity if you believe that Jesus is who he says he is. It says in Romans chapter 10 verse 9 that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. That's what he's talking about. And so when I ask, who who do you say Jesus is? If you say, yeah, Jeff, Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he was lifted up on a cross, that he died living a perfect life as God himself and laid that life down as a sacrifice for the sin of the whole world so that we could stand forgiven, that when we look to Jesus, we could literally bring our sin and our backpack full of weight and lay it down and say, I'm forgiven because of what Jesus did. And if he really did raise from the dead and conquer death and go to heaven to prepare a place for me, then I will not perish, I will not die, but I will have eternal life. So it's being offered to you and to me and to our kids as we talk to them about Jesus this week at VBS. We we say the word focus because there's a lot of distraction in our world. And we focus in and we say, look to Jesus. And then we ask, who do you say Jesus is? And if Jesus is the Jesus of the Bible, if he is who he says he is, then you and I have the opportunity of complete forgiveness for our sin and a path towards eternal life, of being reunited with God, our creator, and living forever in his eternal kingdom in which he'll build a new heaven and a new earth and we will live with him in peace forever. It's the best news. That's why we call it the gospel, the good news. I wanna just encourage you for a minute I know some of you are watching and you're thinking, man, I heard the gospel, I get this. Yeah, Romans 10, 9, I read it. John 3, 16, classic. If you've never taken a long enough time to consider, but what does that really mean for me? I invite you to do so right now. I'm gonna pray, and I'm gonna pray a prayer of confession. I'm gonna model what we've just walked through here, repentance and running the race and looking to Jesus. And as i pray i just invite you if you'd like to pray right alongside me pray these words pray this prayer of repentance a prayer of belief and faith in jesus christ then you can receive this amazing gift of eternal life too let's pray dear heavenly father i have wronged you i have sinned i've put so many things in my my pack and carried the weight of sin. I confess my sin. Lord, help me to take those things off, to shed that sin and lay aside every weight and encumbrance that's on me and look to Jesus as I run this race that's been set before me by the author and perfecter of our faith. I look to Jesus, the Son of God, who lived a perfect life and died on a cross, and I believe that he died to offer forgiveness to every single person, including me. And I believe that he rose again to offer new life to every single person, including me. And I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and I'm trusting in him. I'm putting my faith in him and in what he did for my eternity. God, would you receive me into the kingdom? Would you receive me into your family being forgiven? And may I call myself Christian because of what I've received. Thank you, Lord. You are good. In your name I pray, amen. If you happen to be tuning in this morning and Uh, You're not a part of a local church. Maybe you're not a part of ABC checking churches out or you stumbled upon this message. Um, If you don't attend ABC, maybe you just watch these videos occasionally. If you don't have a family, would you please reach out to someone, maybe a a church close by or a friend, a family member that you know is a Christian. If, If you are walking through this prayer, this process of forgiveness right now in real time, and you need someone to process with, would you give us a call? We would love to talk to you. Uh, we're in the office throughout the week. Uh, the phone number is right there on the website. Um, you can call the church office. And we'll sit down, and talk with you, process with you, pray with you. Uh, we have a number of programs, resources, groups, all kinds of ways to connect at ABC. And I would love for you, if you're considering taking a step of faith and following Jesus, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross so that you and I could have eternal life. If you're considering that, if you're walking through that process right now, we would love to process that with you. So please reach out. Please call someone. Don't do it alone. And we'd love to be here for you. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, Have a wonderful weekend and I will see you next week.